By mid-November 2012, the Old Republic online game had been live for almost a year, and the announcement that Disney was buying Lucasfilm was only weeks old. It was against that backdrop that the final tie-in novel to the Old Republic project was released. That novel was, of course, Annihilation, and we're going to talk about it today. You're listening to Legends Library from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Legends Library from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm your host again for today, Johnny Maynor, and I'm joined by none other than the legendary librarian himself, Jesse Gardner. Hiya, Jess. Hiya, Johnny. How are you this morning? Good, I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, you say this morning, it's, it's, it's evening time where I'm at, but it's, it's the start of your day all the way over yeah. in the... Yeah, over on the other side <laughs> of the pond. The beautiful west coast of the USA, um, all the way yeah. over. Um, now, Jess, I, I think that you, you read this one not too long ago, right? Yeah, no, I, I did a quick reread not that long ago. I, I knew this one before. You, I had read... Um, okay. Most of the books, the adult level audiobooks, reading the comics was a hundred percent new this time around. But most of the unabridged audiobooks I've gone through. Ah, okay, yeah. A lot more context now. So it's a almost a different story. Yeah, so this is your first time coming back to it since you'd read the comics and particularly The Lost Sons, which was the sort of the comic that introduced some of these characters. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite interesting and fun. I um I had read like I said I read it before when it came out, brilliant, and um, brilliant. you have I and like like I was talking this morning all Star Wars it used to feel like it was missing something that you were dropped into an adventure and went, okay and I just rolled with it and I didn't realize that that adventure yeah. had been chronicled and it was so that's that's good I'll plug the episode yeah go listen yeah. to our episode with Lost Sons <laughs> yeah absolutely. Absolutely, and you know what? Go read it because it's it's great. It's it's, it's one of the it's certainly one of the better comics from, from yeah. this era, I think, from the old Republic tie-in stuff. Anyway, um, but okay. So before we get into the nitty gritty of this particular story, uh, let, let let's give the folk listening some context as we do. We are talking today about The Old Republic, Annihilation, a novel by Drew Carpetian, which was released on 13 November 2012. By this point, Carpetian had written his trilogy of Darth Bane novels, which we've yet to get to on Legends Library. We're still a couple of millennia away from that story, believe it or not. Um, and he'd also written the Revan novel, which was also branded as a tie-in to Star Wars The Old Republic online game. And uh, he'd worked, indeed, as one of the main writers on the game itself. Now, this was also mere weeks after the announcement of Lucas selling Lucasfilm to Disney. Uh, the, the announcement of the canon reboot that we that would see the expanded universe materials such as games, books, comics, all reclassified uh, as legends. That was still some time away. Um, but this would prove to be the last novel published in support of that game. I mean, the game itself still going strong remains the only piece of Legends yeah. content that has been expanded upon since the canon reboot. But uh, as things would pan out, there were no more tie-ins, no more publishing tie-ins, even though the game kind of carries on. I mean, Jess, at, at that point in time in 2012, I, mean, I suspect you were probably more invested in the EU stories that we now call Legends than I would have been. I'd kind of I'd started to dip my toes back into that stuff around that time, but 
you know, I, I remember thinking to myself, well, if they're going to make these new movies, they're going to have to tackle the problem of yeah. the EU and the fact that they've got now a couple of decades worth of stories out there. What was what do you recall of the general mood of Star Wars book readers as this sort of stuff was coming up on the horizon? There was um, I was in an interesting place. I was still off. I don't want to say offline, but I wasn't part of the book community at that point. I didn't have my ear to the wind, uh-huh. and so this was all just my assumption. And I was kind of wondering if they were going to go forward and possibly continue Legends in some kind of way. If they were going to honor it, yeah. And kind of, this happened, but it didn't quite happen like this, yeah. is what I figured was going to happen. They went a different route. <laughs> but at that point in my mind, I was fairly mm. confident that the sto- my stories yeah. were going to continue to keep going. And so I wasn't particularly bothered with the reacquisition. Yeah. It would only be a little bit later that I started to panic. Gotcha. So then you, you would have been taken a little more by surprise by that. Um, I think it was April 2014. It was, it was a good 18 months yeah. later, I think, before they made that announcement. Yeah. yeah. I started hearing whispers of Daisy Ridley and Donald Gleason, And I thought, oh, okay. He's going to be Ben Skywalker because he kind of has this the Mara Jade red hair and the freckles. And I said, she's going to be Jaina Solo. That's where my mind was at. And uh, yeah. no, went the other way. Yeah. Probably would have gone the other way yeah. anyhow. Yeah. If it had been um, Georgia stories. So I would have been in for a little rude awakening either way. Yeah. I mean, y- you know what George was like when it came to things like the Clone Wars. He was not particularly precious no. about adhering to. No. The stuff, you know, the, the books and the comics, or even the prequels. True. You know, he, 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 I know he's on record multiple times as having said he sort of, he sort of regarded. I think we, I think we always kind of assumed that expanded universe meant it was the same universe, but expanded. I think George had a slightly different understanding. Yeah, he was like, yeah, that's the expanded universe. And the cinematic universe is the one you watch. Yeah, it's it's its own universe. You know, it's and mine's over here. Yeah, which is fair. I'd probably do probably something similar if I had the IP. Okay. Um, so, so as this one was coming down the pipe, I guess, um, maybe as Annihilation was coming out, um, maybe EU readers weren't too concerned. The EU was thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, the the game that this ties into was a huge success. Um, there, there were lots more EU novels in the pipeline um, at this point. Um so business as usual, yeah, really. Yeah, so business as usual right here. I don't remember being any bit, having any thoughts about it. Yeah, yeah. In Legends Library, as we maybe touch on some of the, the books that were published right on the cusp of the of the announcement, we'll, um, we, we, we can revisit that and... Uh, Think about maybe what what the narrative was, what the narrative was, and the hopes and fears of EU fans yeah. were um, as as realization dawned. Um, all right, let, let's get back to annihilation. In, in terms of timeline, uh, we are in three thousand six hundred and forty BBY, uh, so a few years after the last novel that we spoke about, which was Fatal Alliance, and, and the last comic that you and I spoke about, Jess, The Lost Sons. Um, the story here actually picks up after the story of the initial game release. Um, and uh, if you haven't already done so, folks listening, um, do check out the last episode of Legends Library, where um, I-, I spoke to uh, Bradley Keats, super fan and lore master of Star Wars The Old Republic game stuff. Uh, and we touched certainly on some of the big 
story points, etc., uh, around the game itself. Um, so this is set after the main game, but before most of the expansions um, for the game. Uh, in the book, we learn early on, uh, at least those of us who haven't played much of the game, um, are learning for the first time that the Sith Emperor Vitiate is presumed dead. Uh, Darth Malgus, who we spoke about in the show before when we talked about the novel Deceived, uh, Malgus has attempted some sort of takeover, but the war simmers on with, with the Dark Council ruling the Sith Empire and in, indeed the various super weapons um, whose construction was being overseen by Darth Mechus uh, in, in that comic, The Lost Sons. Uh, even though Mechus is not out of the picture, um, those super weapons are still posing a serious threat. One of those super weapons is a ship called the Ascendant Spear, under the command of former apprentice of Malgus, Darth Carrad. Carrad herself is a Feline former Jedi, uh, herself on the Ascendant within the Sith hierarchy. Uh, into the mix here, enter Theron Shan, Republic spy, uh, not Doral, Jedi and former master to Carrad, um, and they're both tasked with bringing down the Ascendant Spear. And of course, we've got Tefeth, the smuggler with a heart of a nose for gold, who, who can't seem to avoid getting caught up in Theron's missions, much as she'd rather not have to bother. Um, and also making significant, if smaller, appearances are... Jedi Grandmaster Satil Shan, uh, Supreme Commander of the Republic Forces, Jace Malcolm, both featured prominently in, in various of the cinematic trailers for the Old Republic game, notably uh, the one entitled Hope, in which they took on Darth Malgus during the Battle of Alderaan. And of course, Satil has popped up regularly enough in the publishing tie-ins that we've talked about, yeah. Jesse. Um, but this is, I think, Jace Malcolm's first I appearance. I think it is, so in any of the stories i believe it is yeah the only exception might be I, I, there is a short story that was published in star wars insider magazine that features jason i i think that's maybe when he's still a soldier and hasn't been bumped up to desk jockey oh yeah i, I they've got that on the archivist i've listened to that yeah yeah sure, yeah there are a few there's a bunch of little short stories around it yeah yeah so that's the context. Those are the main players. Um, so he headline thoughts, Jesse. How, how did you like this one without getting too heavily into you know well, spoiler territory? I like this one because it's something very different. A lot of it's not a Jedi on an adventure mission. This is a spy thriller, and that was a blast. So that's so that's why I really enjoy yeah. this one. Those are my headline thoughts. Star Wars spy thriller. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? I, I completely agree. For me, the Old Republic books, I, I've enjoyed them almost as standalone tales. Maybe and maybe that's because I haven't played the game I, that much, so I, I, you know, it's not feeling like it's sort of plugging gaps for me. It, it, they just sort of sit on their own in large part. That, that's how I read them too. Yeah, my my two headline thoughts are this: one is that this maybe felt like for the first time some sort of joined up cross media storytelling because yeah. it so prominently features characters like Theron and Tephys, who, who we just were introduced to in that comic, The Lost Sons. That's true. And it felt like then we've skipped to a new format, but we're picking up their story again. So it kind of felt like some actual cross-media yeah. thought-out that... storytelling in a way uh, for the first time. That was the first with the Old Republic, so that was nice. Yeah, absolutely. And then my other thought is exactly what you said. Um, not a Jedi on a mission story, although yeah. they're Jedi, obviously, but kind of leaning more into a spy thriller genre, yeah. um, which I really, really appreciated. It was a tone and a vibe that I, did, I didn't know that I would appreciate in Star Wars, but... Me neither. It was kind of like the Kenobi novel 
you know, I didn't wasn't looking for a Western, but I loved it when I got it. Yeah. I, I like it when Star Wars throws something, a horror novel or a Western or a really hardcore sci-fi book. Absolutely. Even. They're mostly adventurous. And so it's nice to mix it up. Absolutely. I mean, one of the successes of Star- the first Star Wars movie, the original movies that George was doing was, you know, in a way, it was it, it, it mixed up so many influences, Westerns and Pulp Flash Gordon stuff yeah. and, you know, a bit of Dune and you know, <laughs> other stuff, um, yeah. you know, and samurai movies, you know, and um, the success was almost in the in the recipe in the mash of it all yeah um but actually it, sometimes with the books and comics it's interesting just to pull one of those off one of those genres out and say we're going to full-on do the horror we're going to full-on do the western we're going to full-on do the spy movie and see what happens and very often it's hugely successful yeah definitely um so before we get into the spy stuff um i do want to talk about some of the jedi stuff and particularly that there's a very significant jedi relationship um at the heart of this um and in fact i guess it, it sort of sits at the at the heart of the thematic content mm-hmm. of the book as well jace malcolm republic supreme commander and satil shan grand master of the jedi order and satil shan yeah. yeah i mean we see some of their relationship in flashback you know, but also in the present day, as Jace discovers finally that he has had a son with Yeah. I mean, what did you make of that relationship, Jace? I found that to be really interesting because I, I wonder when the Jedi give up their attachment. Because Satili Shan, I assume, is like Revan's yeah. granddaughter. Or something like that. And the Revan's family was raised by Revan and Bastila. And, or not Revan and Bastila, just raised by Bastila. Yeah. And so they shouldn't have that stigma. They should be more of the Ar- yeah. Master Arca lineage. And oh my goodness, I just wish I knew where they decided yeah. that she wasn't going to have raise him. But she was going to do the Jedi thing and give him the Nagani to raise and not tell Jay. Yeah. I was kind of horrified. Because I had expected, you know, something different, especially from that family. So I really liked it. Yeah. And I was really surprised. I think I liked it because I was surprised. I didn't expect her. Or did, well, you do expect it because you, yeah. you know what's going yeah. on. The first chapter is his birth. But it went a different route than I thought. So, yeah. yeah there's the, 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 the sort of prologue chapter shows her basically giving birth um and and handing Theron straight over to her former master Nagani Zo, who, who we met in in the Lost Sons, um you know to basically to raise yeah. um for her in secret. So the I guess the the rules clearly prohibit Jedi from having at this point having those sort of long term emotional attachments and certainly having families. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that far off when the order was commingling with people who could have attachments. Yeah, yeah. I think the events of the Knights of the Old Republic with Zane. Yeah. I think that actually, and in my head, that's my head canon. Not necessarily him, but his nemesis. Yeah. Oh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, it's Lucy, Lucy and Dre, isn't it? And the Dre family. Lucian, yeah. The Dre family, yeah. I think, is the reason they got rid of family orders or families in the Jedi Order. That's my head canon. Because there was some dark, dark stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because Revan and Bastila, they were told they could. That they should. Sorry, tangent there. <laughs> no, no, all good, Jesse, all good. I was going to say exactly the same thing. The next thing we learn, or the next thing we see about Jedi relationships in the timeline, at least, is Revan and Bastila. And basically, it's frowned upon, isn't it? We we find that out from the novel. Yeah. It's certainly frowned upon. It's very frowned upon. There's lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, the, uh, and, the handmaiden's master, she won't even speak with yeah. her. Yeah, and flash flash forward a couple of hundred years then to where we are now, and um, certainly yeah. It, it's yeah, completely and it's completely prequel Jedi almost. Absolutely, I, I mean, yeah. I I I, re- I did enjoy it. Um, I, I enjoyed seeing that sort of more human and emotional side of Satil in the flashback scenes. You know, um, after the Battle of Ulm. Um, yeah. you know he visits she visits him in his tent and you know they basically get together and you know that there's another scene then later, yeah. another flashback scene from his point of view um he, so so while while she while while her it's interesting yeah. her recollection gives us the the scene when they get together his recollection he's still focusing on when they broke up <laughs> we, we yeah. see the breakup basically from his point of view yeah um uh, and it's, it's kind of around her concerns for he's very angry. He, you know, he, he never wants to lose a battle. He will pursue fleeing enemies. No, he's been fighting too long. Um, and and Satie's so so got this this yeah. fear that maybe he'll fall to the dark side, which I thought was interesting because I think it's the first time I'd ever read of a, a, a Jedi being concerned that a non-Force user would sort of fall to the dark side. I've come across it, actually, in the courtship of Princess Leia. Oh, really? But he, Luke is concerned mm-hmm. with a non-Force user keeping to the light side. Interesting, okay. And it is a theme that's very seldom used. But it, Yeah. I had forgotten about it, because you just mentioning that, and in, I'm neck deep in courtship. Yeah. And Luke is not training a non-forced user but he's training a non-forced yeah. user it's kind of interesting yeah yeah it it, 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 <laughs> so, it, 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 it is interesting how, how infrequently that comes up and sort of you know that it's expressed in that way that you know it, it's not just she wants him to do yeah. the right thing or act she, she uses the words the dark side and so she, she's looking at him through that lens in a way which, which i thought was yeah. interesting yeah um i really enjoyed the um relationship between Theron and Jace and between Theron and Satil in this as well. So um, sort of moving on, I guess, to think about the the parents' relationships with the son and the son's relationship with the parents, you know. Theron was raised by Jedi Master Nagani Zo. He he seems to have little desire to have a relationship with his mother. Um, even though we, we saw him at the end of The Lost Sons, he, he was curious enough to go and meet her face to face without telling her who he was. Um, yeah. But, yeah and, but he's never been curious about who his father might have been. Um, and then Jace's confession, um, when Jace has joined the dots, basically, having seen his file, um, Jace's confession sort of throws that whole status quo up into the air, yeah. you know, just as Darren is about to have to deal with this big, massive, important mission that he's got to go on, you know? I mean, you know, we, we, yeah, we started out saying right. we love this novel because it's, it's a spy yeah. story, and yet we've been talking about a family for the last 10 minutes. Um, but <laughs> did you enjoy how that family drama... Oh, I definitely did. I, I think I enjoyed his um, the revelation with Jace a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so Teddy always knew. 
And, you know, Fenrin and Jace are dealing with this revelation together. Yeah. And that makes it kind of interesting. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, that's why I, I think I enjoyed Jace's involvement a little bit more. Yeah. Because he was, he was reeling every bit as hard as Theron. And Theron even less hard because he says, you know what? I can't handle this. Yeah. I'm going to put my nose down and I'm just going to take down this damn Ascendant Spare. Yeah. And, and Jace is, you know, going over, almost going to the dark side because of it. And yeah. I did enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. He really struggles with that. There's, there's definitely, yeah, there's, there's definitely more shifting under the surface, I think, in those conversations with Theron and Jace than there is with Theron and Satil. The conversation with Theron and Satil is just a bit more frosty, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, whatever Theron says, he sort of resents her for giving him that, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's, it's tense. Yeah. Um, and, he yeah he he's very he doesn't really care and he never needed a dad because he had a dad with Nagani yeah and then you know he found out he has a dad but yeah. his dad kind of didn't know about him and that would change it yeah I mean you kind of assume that both your parents knew and just gave you up I would yeah I mean he says as much doesn't he he basically says look my, yeah. Nagani Zoo was my dad um I'll you know I'll think about this later <laughs> yeah Nagani Zoo sure. raised me you know which is fair. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I do, I do enjoy where we get to eventually. Me too. We'll come, we'll come back to that maybe as we talk about sort of the the finale and how things wrap up. Um, okay, let's move on and talk about Theron the spy. Then you know, as, as we said, we like this because it's a, it's a spy story basically. You know, early on in this novel, uh, I, I was getting you know very particular spy movie franchise vibes. You know, uh, the the scenes where he's on the job and somewhere like uh, Nar is it or Nal Hutta? It's Nar isn't it? I think it's Nar It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nal Hutta is in Annihilation, not Annihilation, Fatal Alliance. Yeah, it's Nal Hutta. Yeah, or Nar Shadda. Well, so yeah, it's, it's the right movie. The <laughs> um, I always get them confused. But I, I sort of, when he's done job in those sorts of environments, I, I kind of get more sort of Mission Impossible vibes. You know, he, he's got his gadgets. It's sort of action packed. Um, you know, it's very sort of stealthy, stealthy occasionally. Um, but when he's getting dressed down in the office by director Trant, all I was seeing was like, you know, early Bond movies with Sean Connery getting chewed out by a grumpy M for, yeah. for going rogue while on leave. You know, that that sort of thing. He reminded me more of uh, Pierce Brosnan's James Bond. He's even got that look. Yeah. Yeah. He reminded me of like GoldenEye. And I didn't go to Mission Impossible. I went to Pierce Brosnan's uh, James Bond. Yeah. Because he started doing really wild gadgets at that point too. Yeah. Pen darts and yeah missile car car missiles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's got that great little gauntlet, that little wrist gauntlet that fires these darts, and by voiced command he can sort of yeah. select what kind of dart. Um, you know, he he fires off like an, an incendiary dart or a tracking dart or you know um, an electrified dart. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty cool. You know, we don't we don't often see that kind of thing in Star Wars, but it's neat. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So so how does that whole thing work for you then, Jess, as a as a flavor for Star Wars, that that that, that spy craft stuff? Would you like to see more of it? I would. I would absolutely. I've been um thinking about that as I go along reading these legends. Like in Canon they don't have any spice. Well Andor, they do. Yeah. Andor was really sleek and really great spy star. I, I love the, the. I would like to see some more of that, definitely. And I enjoyed what I did see of it in canon. Yeah, Andor has that feel of sort of 
an older sort of spy, an older kind of spy story, like a long, slow burn. Um, the first three episodes, yeah, are kind of a spy movie. Yeah. For like, I, there's with Andor that I felt that it was kind of like three different sets. They had the the spy setup where they're the heist and yeah. then the prison and then the finale. Yeah. And it felt more like three episodes rather than six. Yeah. Yeah. So the first part of that really was kind of spyish and I could totally dig it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after reading this novel so, and, uh, you know, I, I read it for the first time last year and I revisited it on audio in the last week or so uh, in prep for our chat today. Um, I, I'm definitely in the market for, more Star Wars that kind of has that gadgety spy vibe. It's sort of more the Mission Impossible Bond stuff. You know, I don't, I, I yeah. don't need a Bondy Bond. I, I don't need sort of the ladies' man and all that nonsense. But just you know, the no. gadgets, the the cool no, car slash just... speeder, I could handle that. You know, that, that that that's something that um I'd be interested to see someone really explore that as a different flavor of Star Wars in in the new canon as well. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, but but it's not, it's not all spy stuff because obviously we've got Jedi. Um, Theron Shan is is accompanied by uh, for much of this novel um, Jedi Master. He's a Keldor Jedi, just like Plo Koon. Uh, Nost Dural. We're meeting him here for the well. Readers are meeting him for the first time. Um, fans of the game who'd been following Old Republic content online at the time. A publication probably would have known Nost Dural from a, a series of online videos uh, called the Timeline series. Have you ever seen these, Jess? Yeah, yeah. I had. I I knew of Nost Dural. I got... voiced by Lance Henriksen is a great choice. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, I think I'd, I'd watched three or four of them before I realized, oh, it actually is Lance Henriksen. At first, I thought it was somebody doing a good Lance Henriksen, and then I thought, actually, it, it's unmistakably him. Yeah. He he would be an absolute cast for a Keldor voice. Oh, yeah, for... what a voice! <laughs> what a voice! So. Um, yeah. So in, in that series, he explains a lot of the background lore that was, I guess, was intended to enrich the experience of folk playing the game. Um, here in the novel, he's taking a much more active yeah. role in proceedings. He joins Theron on the mission, um, and I guess he's looking here for a confrontation with his. His fallen Faleen apprentice, um, whose who's Jedi name I can't remember, but we know her as Darth Carrad here, um, as, as, as she is. Um, as she is. Yeah, Darth Carrad. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, Jess, I mean, the, the novel is very focused on Theron, the non Jedi, the spy stuff. But how did you enjoy Nost Dural as a character? Uh, Nost I really liked him. He stands out as he's, he reminds me of a Clone Wars Jedi. He's. He does some uh, surprising. He's very orthodox for most of it. Yeah. But then he does a couple of really surprising things where you're like, oh, this guy will bend the rules to get it done. And he's a lot more willing to go take down Darth Carrot than like Obi-Wan. Oh, I can't go kill Anakin. And most of all, I think, is more aware. He's probably going to the Ascendant Spear to kill her, not to redeem her. He wants to redeem her throughout it. Yeah. But there's more fatalism in him. Like, no, she's turned. Uh, you know, she needs to be put down. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't see that a lot. And there's a, a confrontation when he's trying to get onto the spear that really, my eyebrows both went up. I said, okay. I had more respect for Nostral after he doesn't you, he the chokes the guards to get in. Yeah. 
guises himself up all Sith like. Yeah. I was like, oh, you you don't see Jedi do that. No, that was kind of neat. I mean, I I guess the the only time I can recall really seeing that would have been, um, Luke at Jabba's palace at, at the start of Return of the Jedi. It's a similar situation. That's true. Um, but you know, I, I kind of, I, I never really, I never really judged Luke for that because, at the time, he kind of thought, well, you know, he, me neither. I don't think George knew what a Jedi was yet. Half trained and unsupervised. What else was he going to do? You know what I mean? It kind of, it didn't, it didn't feel yeah. off necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that's just because I saw the film when I was still young. True, me too. I give Luke a lot more laxes. I don't think he, you know, even in my mind, I think that he just pushed them away from him. Uh-huh. But now he clearly chokes them. Yeah. The Gamorreans. But I didn't see that till I was a lot older. Yeah. They don't have much finger articulation in the in the hands in those old Gamorrean outfits. So they he kind of they sort of just clutch their fists somewhere up near no. their throat. Um, but uh, they clutch their fists up and back yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think we all know what was meant to the old gone. audio description. Uh, he chokes them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, but it, it it's it still was kind of shocking. I think to see a Jedi Master as sort of as cool and calm and collected and considered as Nostral has been up until that point, suddenly realizing okay, yeah, intentionally. Um, I'm I'm going to pose as a, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to pose as a Sith Lord, and I guess I'm going to have to act a bit like one too, uh, and ends justify the means. Yeah. yeah, which was an interesting flavor to the character. Yeah, he's on his way then for this confrontation with Darth Carrot, and as as you said, you know he, I guess best case scenario, he manages to somehow turn her back to the light, but he doesn't hold out much hope for that. Um, let, let's let's talk about her then, Darth, no. Darth Carrot. I mean, I guess like Darth Mechus in the Lost Sons, she's another sort of cybernetically enhanced Sith Lord who can directly interface with her ship. Um, so she controls the ascendant sphere by sort of plugging in, basically plugging directly into the system in this sort of meditation sphere that she's got. Um, I mean, she's an interesting character. I mean, she proves pretty early on how formidable she is. You know, uh, she you know ensuring her own ascension to the dark oh, yeah. by provoking her main rival into this confrontation that he can't win um, and then destroying with overwhelming force. Yeah. You know, this sort of combination of guile and strength where she can sort of blamelessly rise, you know, into the council. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. Did, did you enjoy her character? I did. Um, I really like Unique Sith and her relationship with the Ascendant Spear yeah. was fascinating. How she was the spear. And even fed all, yeah, I really enjoyed her. Darth Carrot. I wanna I've been wanting to call her Darth Mechus this whole time. I <laughs> but no, I, I liked her and her the, the spear stuff was unique and interesting to me. Yeah. When I had first read it, because I hadn't I, I see she's kind of Darth Mechus two Yeah. But I hadn't read that. And so Darth Mechus is kind of Darth Carrot two for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff, though. Definitely good, safe magic source for science. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's right, because it, it's not really, it, it is one of those slightly vague, you know, it, it's technology, but they do allude to there being sort of Sith magic also involved in the way this interface works. So it is, there, there's a force 
element to it, maybe a Sith sorcery element to it that is kind of never really explained. Yeah. He's even feeding off her apprentices in order to do yeah. it. There's some cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And um, all of that that side of it is the kind of stuff that I, I, I like it when the Old Republic throws those little things in because it feels almost a bit more like a throwback to things like the Golden Age of the Sith and the Tales of the Jedi the comics, you know? Yep. Um, th- those are the little flavors. Uh, yeah, I think that's why I enjoy. Yeah, so those are the little flavors that I miss sometimes yeah. in the Old Republic. The Old Republic aesthetic is very sterile in prequels. You know, I like the bonkersness of the Tales of the Jedi era. Yeah, oh for sure. It just it's absolutely a blast. And yeah, when you get crazy <laughs> stuff like that, it reminds me of the Tales era. Yeah, yeah, which is already getting me excited for our next episode, Jess, because. Night Errant is coming up, and there's in, in our next episode. And oh yeah, I, I, my brain's already half there oh, because no. I remembered some of the very, very juicy, lovely Tales of the Jedi callbacks. Um, but we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that next. Yeah. Um. Okay. Back to Annihilate. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. I'm just grinning ear to ear thinking about. That. Oh man, I know, I know. Yeah. Back to Annihilation. Yeah. Back to Annihilation. So, um, I, I guess I feel like it wouldn't be an old Republic <laughs> novel if there wasn't a rogue or smuggler with a heart of gold somewhere in it. Um, you know, did, did you That's find, fair. did you find anything interesting in Tefeth's characterization and plot line? Yeah. Did, did, does Tefeth rise above the trope for you of the sort of the, the, the I just like to see her again. Yeah. She does rise above the trope. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't view her as a trope. And that's for moments like when they're going in, she's, Hired, they've hired her for the second or third time in the book. Yeah. And she's flying them to the spear. Yeah. Or the space station. And he says, hey, can we talk to him? She says, we're not going to let you talk. And he's really worried. And she picks up the the phone and just talks in the perfect imperial accent. Yeah. And shuts everybody. And her, her vocal patterns are really great. Yeah. She, she is wee and just really has the most outrageous Star Wars accent I've ever heard in one of them. Yeah. And then she's supposed to talk to these Imperials, and I'm wondering, you know, oh, no. And flawless Imperial accent. Yeah. I love that. It's a really fun, interesting shading of the character, right? Yeah. Just, again, I mean, it, you're right. I, I didn't really think of her in tropish terms at all. It wasn't until I was sitting down thinking about, okay, who for this chat, you know, who are the characters? Do we have a, a the rogue, you know, the roguish smuggler with a heart of gold in this? And I go, well, it's kind of Tefeth. But I, I never once reading Tefeth do I think, yeah. do, do I automatically think, oh, she's ticking that box, you know? Uh, because she's always more interested. Yeah. And may, maybe yeah. that's because we kind of, I, 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 can't, I came to her in the novel straight off Lost Sons, where she'd been set up in, in that way. Um, but... Fascinating. No, um, I didn't the first time I read it, and I loved Tefeth just the same. Oh, really? Cool, cool. I like that there was not a romance between her and Theron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Normally, you get a romance between the lead and the smuggler. Yeah, yeah. And other, yeah, they left romance alone in that novel. There was a romance in the past you had to deal with, and so it was kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, it goes in- And in- she felt like Mission from Knights from KOTOR. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a, li- a little bit. Like an older, meaner vision. If Revan had never run into her. Yeah, um, she she she's way more selfish than Mission. Um, although you know, I I, I say selfish. Definitely. Yeah. She, she definitely does also do the right. No, thing. selfish is the right. But yeah, it, it suits her. Yeah. It, 
it sort of also suits her to do the right thing. She's a harder version. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, The last third or quarter of this novel basically sees the three main heroes racing to ensure that the Ascendant Spear, this this ship that uh, Karen's in charge of, it, they're trying to make sure that that ship is present at an impending Imperial attack on Duro uh, so that the Republic will actually mount a defence rather than sacrifice the world for fear of alerting the Empire to their intelligence breach. Um, so We've got Theron aboard the Ascendant Spear trying to slice into its systems. We've got Nost Dural aboard the same ship in a gambit to trick Carrad into going to Duro and, you know, maybe turn her to the light or kill her in in, in the process. Um, We've got Tefeth racing to Coruscant and and burning bridges with her criminal employers in the process to to alert Satila Shan uh, and the Republic uh, to what's going on. Um, and I guess in due, yeah. in due course we'll have Satil and Jace ab- aboard the Republic flagship as everything converges for a battle at Duro. I mean, I I loved the way this came to a head. Um, you know, it the get the it had so much momentum in the run up to the climax, and it just it worked so well. Um, you know, was was this climax kind of a breathless race to the finish line for you as well, Jess? It was. It was. I remember you get to that point and you don't put it down until you're done. Yeah. Like once they're once they're headed for Duro, yeah, sit down. You've got a little bit to read. Yeah. <laughs> it was an yeah. I love that the climax of that. Loads of wonderful, wonderful payoff. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And not just you know, it's it's very action focused. But actually, what what kept dragging me through from one chapter to the next to the next was the characters. You know, the the investment in the characters that have been put in up to that point meant that I I, I really I, I was just I, I was sold. I was invested. I wanted to see them succeed. But actually, there were times when it looked pretty grim. You know, Th- Th- Theron is you know sweat literally sweating his clothes off. Um, you know, sort of in the in the bowels of this ship, yeah. trying, you know, so, so but but you know, by the time he's done all that, he's literally running around the ship naked, trying to keep cool in sort of the, the overheated gut. Yeah, having ship. cramps from yeah. the salt depletion. You know, Nost Dural yeah. himself having dehydration cramps. Yeah. Ooh. Nost Dural himself is also himself tortured naked, and naked. Except for his mouth. Torture rack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's pretty <laughs> that dire. was pretty funny it's pretty it, it's dire yeah. but sort of it it has so much momentum yeah. um that it just keeps pulling you through i loved it you too um absolutely that that one definitely has the best payoff of the whole uh novel of the old republic yeah, for, for sure of the old republic game times it has of the media italians annihilation is my favorite yeah yeah I, I remember as i was reading these for the first time these tie-ins for the first time last year um and each of them i was reading as i read them in timeline order each of them sort of got progressively better for me so by the time i read fatal alliance i was like oh this, i really i really enjoyed this one you know um i think this might there's a good chance this could this is going to end up being yeah. my favorite uh of the old republic novels and then annihilation then you know didn't blow it out of the water but you know it still knocked it out of the park and yeah it is it's a little bit better. It's it's different. It's different enough where I enjoy it on a different level. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I, I guess where it maybe edges Fatal Alliance for me is is in the pacing. 
you know, um, th- this doesn't suffer from the pacing issues that Fatal yeah, Alliance had around that kind of rather bloated middle section. Nope. Yeah. Pacing is a bit easier with audiobooks. And unfortunately, my brain will kind of wander. My, mine too. That, that's precisely why I kind of, I, I, I try to read things in, in physical for the first time anyway, but when I'm revisiting stuff, um, I, I'll use the audio. But even then, sometimes my, my brain sort of, yeah, goes on vacation. Um, and uh, I end up rewinding quite a lot. I've had to train myself to pay better attention to audiobooks. And oftentimes I will get a Kindle because my eyes are, I'm almost blind. Yeah. And so I pull up the Kindle and I put it at the largest print possible. Yeah. And I read with, uh, read along. And that will help me maintain. You know, while I'm hearing it, it's easy to go along with the Kindle. Yeah, I with insanely large yeah, print. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's why a lot you see a lot of Kindle quotes in there because I'm reading and listening at the same time. So that, that's that's my trick on maintaining audiobook focus. Yeah, <laughs> reading along or literally you literally have to remind yourself to pay attention yeah and if you've got uh if, if you're listening on audible and then you're reading on the kindle as well i think they they, they do sync up for you don't they so that if you um, they sync up you can download the audio yeah into the yeah which i love i love that they'll keep each other places and you can actually you so can I, download the audiobook on or i can i have on my kindle if I own the Kindle and the audiobook, and I do a lot, especially of the Essential Legends, yeah, um, you can download the audiobook directly onto your Kindle and yeah. listen to it, and it will read, like highlight it as it reads it to you. Yeah, yeah. With the audible narration, it's a it's a great. Function. It's beautiful. Yeah, even if you're not listening along, I, I used to sometimes I would read on my Kindle on my commute on the on the train, for example, going to work to and from work. Uh, but then, you know, I'd get out of the train station. I'd have to walk back, you know, walk home from the train station. So I'd, I'd, put, I'd put my headphones in and open up Audible. And Audible would skip forward to where I had reached on the Kindle. You know, it would remember. All right. So in the end, um, we've got Theron, Satil, Jace safely reunited. Uh, you know, there's no family fairy tale family scenario but you know when the dust has sort of settled theron does at least reach out to his uh his dad to arrange a drink um and i guess there's a lovely moment as well at the end um just after that when you know, the old star wars trope of found family gets underscored as well with theron you know sort of continuing to see tefeth as sort of this this wayward little sister you know he, he sort of he, he talks he says to her about you know this is what family does you know yeah um how, how, how did you enjoy that ending sort of the emotional wrap-up after this sort of big climactic rush to the finish it, it felt nice it was kind of i really liked it it was a very emotional satisfying tie-up you know she's like leave me alone and like any good brother he's not gonna do it he's gonna keep an eye on her that felt good it sort of it, it, it felt like there was room for more you know yeah um and I, I, I guess maybe had in a different version of reality without a canon reboot. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe, maybe we we might have gotten more. You know, the, well, this. Who, who uh, I didn't play the game. We might have gotten more there. Yeah. The, the, this interesting family unit between the Grand Master of the Jedi Order, the Supreme Commander of Republic Forces, and uh, a Republic super spy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. 
Um, that's a pretty kick-ass family unit right there. I would have loved to have seen how, and, just, and the awkward, you know, the delicious awkwardness of some of their conversations, you know, and, and where and where that might have gone in the future. Um, yeah. It's uh, t- tantalizing, tantalizing. Um, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a nice, all of that family stuff, I guess, really nice sort of undercurrent in this book because otherwise i guess it might have just been sort of action 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 spy movie vibes all the way through you know you know there's, there's, there's you know there's the the narshada stuff and there's the heist on zeost and then there's the whole section of the ascendant spear um but actually those emotional sort of threads running through it just kind of give it that extra something you know yeah it made it relatable on some kind of a level and then we we all have family trouble yeah we are, we none of us yeah. not all of us get to go um, fight the ascendant spear and Sith lords. Yeah, and so the yeah, family exactly. helps bring it home for us to enjoy. This this might be. I mean, you know, you know, I I know that you're maybe not the the world's hugest fan of the Bean books. Um, no, I'm not. But... I lo- I like them, mm. but they're they the fandom around them can sometimes be unpleasant. I get that. I, I, and that's why I was really nervous about reading the Bane books for the first time a couple of years ago. I, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them a lot, but I didn't necessarily enjoy that I enjoyed them a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> um, I I think this is the best that Drew Carpetian has written relationships in Star Wars. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This is where... Yeah, there's no relationship in the Bane books. Oh, no, there's yeah. just horrifying relationships. And and, and he's yeah. writing about Sith, so of course they're you're not going to want to emulate. And, and it, it's kind of like, the Bane books remind me very much of films like Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. It's yes. a beautiful masterpiece of a film, but you're like, holy hell, Death Soul or Bane are not yeah. somebody I ever want to meet. And uh, the same with yeah. Arthur Fleck and the Joker. I mean, like, that was a really scary film because, you know, wow. But neither one of those yeah. characters are. So, any, any, another tangent. Yeah, definitely, this is my favorite from Carpeason. The, the, there's definitely an interesting conversation in there that we need to have when we talk about the Bane books, about the, 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 the Venn diagram uh, overlap of uh, folk who, um, fanboys online who idolize Arthur Fleck and the from Joker at Yeah. The, the interesting thing is nobody did that with Iscat. And that's, she could fit there too. In canon. Totally. That, totally. that, that really floored me. Uh, there was a few people I talked to who saw it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of characters. Any, anyhow. Yeah, good stuff. Mm. Yeah. We, we, we'll get to that in a, a few millennium and a few months time. For sure, for sure. All right. I mean, I, I think that's probably going to do it for, for Annihilation. Um, Jess, a- any final thoughts about this one before we wrap up? Read Lost Sons first, definitely. If you haven't read it, yeah. find the Lost Sons. You can usually get it from a Marvel epic collection. And those are part of the Kindle comics thing. Or, you know, grab it from the library. Or the whole volume is like less than 20 and totally worth your time. So read Lost Sons. Yeah. And then yeah. um, Annihilation I, have a lot of context. I, yeah, yeah. I picked up my 
physical trade paperback copy of Lost Sons for I think maybe ten or twelve pounds online. Um, they're not going for silly money. Um, no. if you do want yeah. that, if you want that hard copy trade paperback. Um, yeah, I, I'm on board with you, Jess. I think that this might be my favorite um, novel of the Old Republic tie-ins. It, it's certainly, I think, the the one that I enjoyed reading most um f- for sure and uh yeah a, l- a little sad that we don't get to see any more of um theron yeah. and co yeah um, the true good set of characters interesting relationships all right um th- that will do us then for, for another episode of legends library i think um we will be back in two weeks time to talk about the the first installment of the knight errant um series by john jackson miller and i'm very much looking forward to getting my teeth back into those um for sure uh, before we get to that um canon catch up will of course be back uh, in its usual weekly slot and uh coming up on the 7th of february we'll be having a special episode for star wars podcast day who knew this was a thing not i um 7th of february celebrates or marks the anniversary of the ve- apparently the very first star wars podcast oh wow cool uh, jedi talk yeah it was I had no idea. In 19- me neither. 1999. Oh, um, wow. I, and I guess that was early cutting edge. iPods just released, maybe. I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't have an iPod. Didn't have an iPod. I, I had one in like 2004 yeah. by then. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll, I'll maybe do some research and find out exactly what for what platform Jedi Talk was yeah, available cool. on in 1999. Uh, but anyway, lots of podcasts are taking part. We'll be dropping a special episode. We'll be hearing from uh, a couple of Star Wars authors on sort of why they find, you know, why writing Star Wars is special uh, for them. Uh, hearing from lots of folk in the in the reading community as well about why um, why they love reading Star Wars stories uh, and diving in Star Wars between the covers, uh, as it were. Um, but in the meantime, I guess all that remains is to say goodbye uh, for, for this episode. So it's a goodbye from Jesse Gardner. Right, goodbye. May the force be with you. And it's a goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, folks. May the force be with you. And we'll catch you next time on the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.